And the reason we focus on the pancreas, because it is the source of at least three important hormones. And obviously, as you remember from signal transduction, most of our uh, metabolism is dependent on the levels of various hormones in the bloodstream, whether you have high insulin or you have high glucagon. Uh, so the pancreas provides the, is the source of three important hormones that regulate metabolism, insulin, glucagon, and somatostatin. We'll mainly talk about insulin and glucagon uh, in the context of their uh, ability to change and regulate metabolism. So uh, hence the importance of the pancreas as the source of these hormones. Another important consideration in metabolism is what's available in the bloodstream. Is there a lot of glucose? Is there a lot of amino acids? Is there a lot of tags in, in the form of chylomicrons? So that determines what metabolic pathways are activated and or uh, inhibited. <coughs> so that's very important consideration. Level of hormones, level of substrates, if you want, energy substrates in the bloodstream. And third, there's important input from the nervous system. The nerv nervous system through the hypothalamus will direct the release of specific hormones like cortisol, like norepinephrine and epinephrine. And all of these can contribute to the overall uh, regulation of metabolism. Okay? So, uh, input from the nervous system is very important. This is specifically important in trauma, stress, uh, fight or flight conditions. The input from the nervous system is extremely important. So, that will affect metabolism significantly, and we'll cover some of that. Okay. So let's go to the pancreas and just give you an overall kind of reminder of what the pancreas does. And first of all, there are two components to the pancreas. There's the exocrine component, and that's the part of the pancreas that produces the important zymogens for digestion. Okay, we'll talk about them some more, some more later in, the, in this block. Uh, but that's the function of the exocrine uh, pancreas. It releases important inactive enzymes that get activated once they reach the small intestine. And in the small intestine, they proceed to digest the important, you know, uh, uh, the dietary components, <coughs> lipids, proteins, uh, and so on. <coughs> so, so that's all I'm going to say about the exocrine uh, pancreas.
pancreas. The other component of the pancreas is called the endocrine component. So here's the pancreas, and you can see here's the exocrine, the blue cells, if you want, and that's the pancreatic duct. They all kind of connect to the pancreatic duct that releases the important zymogens. Another component is the endocrine cells of the pancreas. And you see these pink group of cells surrounding a blood vessel. That means whatever they can release gets released directly into the bloodstream. And that's where really the important endocrine part or, or function of the pancreas. The hormones made in the pancreas can be released directly into the bloodstream and as such they can reach any tissue where there is circulation. And it depends on whether the target tissue has the right receptors, the specific receptors for the hormones released. So if there's insulin released, insulin travels in the bloodstream is going to find its receptor on the target tissue and initiate its cellular effects by binding to the receptor. So the endocrine uh, uh, pancreas is what we're going to talk about today uh, and specifically we're going to talk about the, uh, some, uh, the different type of cells, really. These cells in the endocrine uh, pancreas are generally a class of cells called the islets of Langerhans. Okay? And again, they surround, it's not shown here, but they surround usually a blood vessel so they can, or more blood vessels to they can uh, release their uh, hormones directly into the bloodstream. There are three types of cells in the islets of Langerhans. The first one produces insulin, and these are the beta cells. And the second one, our second group of cells, are the alpha cells that produce glucagon. And the third one is the delta cells that produce somatostatin. But for, for our purposes, my, um, our concern will be basically with the uh, insulin production and glucagon production. Importantly, the pancreas is a post-mitotic organ. That means it does not, the cells do not divide. Okay? That means we are born with a finite number of cells uh, in the, uh, as the islets of Langerhans. They may be like maybe a million or two million cells. They have to last us a lifetime. Okay? That's quite a bit. And that's an important, the importance of the pancreas. It's going to produce these important hormones for a lifetime. Okay, <clears throat> so what's going to happen, let's say, after you have a meal? 
after you have a meal, the first thing that will arise, and this is really the glucose concentration in the bloodstream here in milligrams per deciliter or 100 mils. <clears throat> after a meal, within a few minutes really after a meal, you start to see a rise in blood glucose. Parallel to that rise in blood glucose, you see an increase in insulin secretion. See how they kind of the profiles are almost identical. Insulin follows the rise of blood glucose. That insulin is secreted by none other than the pancreas, the beta cells of the pancreas. So that means a rise in glucose elicits the release of insulin from the beta cells of the uh, pancreas. Down here, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this right now, but uh, there's a transient increase in glucagon initially, and then its release is decreased. And that's because of the ri continuous rise of glucose. So glucose inhibits the release of glucagon as it continues to rise. However, there's an early transient release. And really, that's more due to other things in the meal, uh, typically certain amino acids. Okay. <clears throat> so this is... Uh, the uh, assume this pink or whatever purple purple fuchsia cell uh, is the beta cell of the pancreas okay this entire cell this cell is going to sense the rise of glucose in the bloodstream remember these guys surround blood vessels, the beta cells, they can sense the rise in glucose. As a matter of fact, they have a transporter here. We talked about before, similar, identical to the one in the liver, the GLUT2 transporter. So they pick up glucose when glucose starts to rise in the bloodstream. When glucose is picked up into the beta cell, it is going to activate glycolysis. In fact, the pancreas also has the same isozyme that is present in the liver, glucokinase. So glucokinase gets activated and the entire glycolytic pathway as a result is increased in the beta cells of the pancreas. And because of that, you have a rise of ATP produced from glycolysis. That ATP is able to inhibit a specific 
potassium channel in the plasma membrane of the beta cell and resulting in the depolarization. It closes this channel resulting in membrane depolarization. And as a consequence of that, you have an increased calcium entry into the beta cells. And calcium entry is needed. So calcium here rises inside the cytoplasm and it promotes or activates the release of these vesicles containing insulin. Vesicles fused with the membrane are releasing insulin into the bloodstream. So this is really an important concept. How the pancreas knows when to release insulin. It's due to a rise in glucose in the bloodstream, activation of glycolysis, inhibition of this potassium channel, increase in calcium entry and release of insulin secretion. Okay, <clears throat> that's the same thing, a little more detail, but uh, the most important thing that happens is uptake of glucose, activation of glucokinase in, uh, in the uh, pancreas and activating glycolysis. Glycolysis increases ATP, shuts down the potassium channel, causes the calcium to rise, which is necessary for the secretion of insulin from these vesicles. <clears throat> so we're going to talk a little bit about the hormone itself. Now we talked about its release and what's the trigger for its release. We're going to talk about the hormone itself. And in A here, you see that insulin We've really looked at this before a while back when in the first block. But just as a reminder, insulin is made up of two polypeptides, two chains, A chain and B chain. And they have these disulfide bridges between them, between neighboring cysteines. And you have another intra-disulfide bridge on chain A. That's the actual function of functional insulin hormone in this form. You need, you need A, B, you need these disulfide connections, uh, disulfide bridges. That's the only functional form of insulin. I put here an old slide just to kind of remind you of how important a lot of our technology, uh, medical technology and research technology uh, and the, the biological sciences is. You have the human primary sequence is in white and then you have the bovine in black and the porcine 
having this substitution at a single amino acid. The reason I point that out to you is that 20 or 30 years ago, 30 years ago, let's say, when diabetic patients needed insulin injections, they were using either bovine or porcine insulin isolated from these tissues, from those animals. And you can see they're not identical, so they're different. And because of that, there was also the, the problem with maybe creating an allergic response, an immune response. Okay? So, with the recombinant DNA, with, with the, uh, uh, you know, finishing the, uh, completing the human genome, uh, knowing the exact sequence and of insulin, as well as <coughs> the recombinant DNA technology, you can now make human insulin in cell culture, and it will be identical to the one we make. So it does not have the same problems when patients are, uh, inject themselves with insulin. Okay, so anyway, this is uh, sort of a side, side thing. So insulin, when it's first made, it is made as a much larger molecule. This is the entire initial form of what is called pre-pro-insulin. So obviously, like any other polypeptide, it is made in the ER, and before its synthesis, the translation of the messenger RNA begins, you create this sequence here called the leader or signal sequence at the beginning of that messenger RNA before it's being translated this segment of amino acids or polypeptide is added called the leader sequence or the signal sequence and it serves an important function in that it, once the nascent pro-insulin is made, it will direct the entire molecule to go into the lumen of the ER. Okay, so that's necessary for sorting, if you want, pre-pro-insulin to go into the lumen of the, the ER where it will be processed through the, uh, eventually, in the Golgi apparatus. Okay, so that's the importance of that signal sequence. But here you have the B chain, you have a C chain, and you have the A chain. So the entire molecule is called pre-pro-insulin, and that's important for secreting the newly made molecule, newly made polypeptide into the ER 
uh, once it's secreted into the ER, this signal sequence here in green is removed and you form pro-insulin. Okay? Pro-insulin is missing the signal sequence. And you can see now, you have the A chain, the B chain, you have the C chain, but really the functional ones are A and B. This processing is going to occur in the Golgi apparatus, Golgi vesicles. You already see the disulfide bridges here being made. <clears throat> Eventually, you're going to remove also in the Golgi this C segment so you end up with insulin and that's the insulin functional insulin it's not showing the disulfide bridges here but they still are there <coughs> so this is basically uh, the, the steps here in the ER uh, you add the signal sequence, you, uh, you make the uh, entire uh, pro-insulin, pre-pro-insulin, then once that is made, you release the signal sequence, you have pro-insulin. Uh, going through the Golgi apparatus, you have further processing uh, of pro-insulin to give you the functional form. These are inside a vesicle of the uh, Golgi, a Golgi apparatus vesicle. And this is kind of a, the big picture here. So here's the messenger RNA and here are <coughs> the ribosomes and here's the ER and the ER is a set of membranes. And the function of this corkscrew structure which is the signal sequence or the leader sequence is to direct the newly synthesized pre-pro-insulin into the lumen so it can be further processed. Once the synthesis is completed, the corkscrew here structure is removed and you have the pro-insulin Pro-insulin in the ER is packaged into these vesicles, the Golgi vesicles. And as it is, moves through the Golgi apparatus, it gets further modified where you cleave off the C segment and you have the insulin and the C peptide uh, inside these vesicles. When insulin is released, as a matter of fact, both are released. But this is the functional one. And that's really a non-functional uh, polypeptide, <coughs> the C segment or the C peptide. Okay. <coughs>